Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. It'll be Oregon State hosting Stanford on Saturday in Corvallis. It is a sellout. It basically means every game's a sellout at at Reeser Stadium this season as there are no tickets available. There have not been any tickets available. I think that's that's a, a big accomplishment for a program that even four, five, six, seven years ago was having trouble selling season tickets. No problem at all now. Jonathan Smith here to talk about his game. First, let's talk about that sellout. Uh, streak and the Stanford game being sold out, that's pretty important. Oh, it is vitally important, you know, the excitement. Um, but let's face it, Beaver Nation makes a difference. This place gets packed and makes it hard on the opponent, helps us helps us win games. Have you ever gone to a game, or when's the last time you went to a game and just sat in the stands? Right. It's been a... No, that's not true. I, a couple of years ago, Utah was playing the Rose Bowl, and I was down vaccine family. I ended up going to that game. They played Ohio State, kind of yeah. lost late. Um, it was kind of fun being back, you know, as a fan watching it. Still can't get the coach out of my mind. I'm sitting there mm-hmm. analyzing plays and watching the sideline. I didn't have my phone out or anything, but <laughs> taking video of the sidelines. But I it, love it. <laughs> I love that. yeah, I got to catch myself there. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's interesting. No, but it was good. When I go to a game, even like people will say, "Can you go to the game?" I can't relax either because I'm going. What would I write? What would I talk about? How, what time is it? I'm always. I, I can't remove myself from the job, and I, I. I wish I could. You know, maybe I could do it better with an NFL game because I wouldn't be thinking so much about it. But are you looking at formations and coverages, and you're looking at are they have one safety, two safeties? What are they in? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I'm kind of watching it like a coach just. As you would, how many safeties? How how is the substitution going? You know, because you don't get to see that as much as a coach. The game was way faster too, because now every game I'm a part of now, it's you know you're on the sideline. You know what half the you know half the guys out there are going to do, right? We call play on offense. I know what it should look like, so you could kind of anticipate, and then you recognize in the defense. Well, when you don't have a clue on either side, I mean, the thing was moving pretty fast. Good win at Colorado. I thought defensively, especially for three quarters, it was it was a show. What happened in the fourth quarter? Did you guys let up, or did they find something? Yeah, I think some of some of both. There's no question. Three quarters was great. Uh, I mean, it was really painful early fourth quarter. We got them in some long yardage situations. Opportunity to get right off the field, missed some tackles. I think fatigue played into that a little bit, and they got some good athletes. Give them, give them some credit. Um, and so as they extended the drive in the fourth quarter, we, our fatigue shows up, and then their playmaking does. And, you know, we had a good drive offensively. It took about six minutes. Ended up having to kick a field goal. Could have separated the thing even further, but we didn't. Made the field goal to make it a 14-point game, and then they get back out there and, you know, make a huge pass play down to the 10. So some of them, some of us. You know, it's it, it's interesting in watching kind of a game, the flow of a game, the game sometimes does feel long to me as I watch it. And you're telling me when you're on the sideline, does it slow down for you as well? Yeah, well, just because I can just try to say I can anticipate. Like, I know if we're, whatever, we're running a uh, pass play down the field, I can anticipate the pass protection coming, where the routes should be going, so it's all focused just on the 11 defensive, 
defensive players, you don't know how they're going to react. If I'm just a fan watching the thing, you got all 22 guys. You don't know what if it's a run play, pass play, Nate, you know, play action, all of that. So it just seems like it moves moves faster. The speed of play. Um, I don't think the game moves faster on those TV timeouts as a fan right, right. sitting there. I guess there's one advantage: you got to go take a leak or something. You got more. You got time to maybe knock that out and get back and don't miss a play. Yeah, it, but I also think that. It was interesting to kind of see you guys from a defensive standpoint. You, you beat up Colorado a little bit, and, you know, Shador Sanders talked about after the game how many times, you know, he, he ended up on the ground. It, and your guys, it, you got a pass rush on him. And it's, you know, there were, I remember when you first got to Oregon State, you couldn't get a pass rush. You couldn't make the quarterback yeah, that, uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, know? that was a struggle early on. Yep, year one, year two, uh, getting, getting home there, stopping the run, things growing quite a bit. And, you know, let's face it, on Colorado's side, I mean, they're going to throw the ball that many times. You're going to get the quarterback's going to get hit some. And, um, and again, I'm not down on their approach. They've been scoring a bunch of points. But that just comes with the territory. You're going to throw it that many times. You are, um, you know, you've got Hall of Fame inductions as a university, Oregon State inducting Bob DeCarolis. I know Mike Riley's back in town. We're having him on Friday's show. And, you know, the history of the school, you've been there. You were there as an athlete when, you know, DeCarolis was around and, and Mike Riley certainly was has been around you a little bit. And, you know, what do those guys mean to what you're doing now? Yeah, really special uh, just to be here and, and celebrate those guys. Bob DeCarolis, you know, when I was here as a player, you know, he's the assistant AD, right-hand man with Mitch Barnhart, and then took over and really – it is true. Bob the Builder, I mean, he got so much done. The start of the stadium renovation and a good person, competitive and and all that. Obviously, Mike Riley winning his coach or this school's ever seen. Huge impact on my life, um, let alone some of the players going in football-wise with Steven Jackson and Mike Hass, both those guys I played with. Um, and Alexis Cerna, I didn't play with him, yeah. but he's here on staff and helping us out. So it's kind of meaningful for me and others. But especially for me with those guys being part of my history, being here in relationships. Jonathan Smith is with us. Uh, Oregon State, Stanford on Saturday. Troy Taylor, uh, you know, he's, they've had some moments. Like, you know, I don't know what you do with the Colorado game. Like, from Stanford's perspective, you, do you watch the second half? Do you watch the first half? You know, you know, what do you get out of a game like that where they were just unstoppable in the second half but couldn't do anything in the first half? Yeah, I mean, these games, what it does show, I think they can play different styles and, and are effective. I look at that game, Colorado, they're throwing it all over the yard. I will say Troy Taylor, I've known this guy for a long time, offensively gives you a hard time. He can scheme you up, put guys in pretty good positions to make plays, throwing it or running it. Um, but it's like totally vice versa. You watch Washington State, Stanford, a lot of runs, control the clock. You know they can win that way, and so this team give give them some credit. In year one, they have not cashed it in over there. They are playing hard. Shoot, they took UW down to the wire. They got three minutes left and the ball, and they're only down two points. So they're playing really competitive, and and they've won three games on the road. So they got confidence playing uh, on the road, and that's what they're going to be doing Saturday. Yeah, you say you know him, and I know a lot of, you know, you guys will do a lot of sharing as offensive coaches and through different levels, and obviously you spent some time in the Big Sky Conference. You probably, uh, you know, encountered him or have talked with him, and how much of that sharing, how collegial is it? How much do you get lower division, you know, FCS coaches coming to watch you practice or high school coaches? Yeah, we, we try to have, especially in spring ball, we'd like to, 
to get around. I mean, it'd be awesome for us to be able to go travel, watch other people's practice and then things. But we do. We got especially local in the state here. Uh, we have coaches come through and, and check it out. I mean, back to Troy Taylor, he's a high school coach um, down at Folsom High School, and there's he's got a quarterback named Jake Browning. That's where our relationship really started, <laughs> is we're recruiting a quarterback and, and got to know Troy through that. And then Troy came up to UW multiple times. We talked a ton of, like, quarterback play especially. Um, and then a voice kind of stayed in touch to an extent. So I just got a bunch of respect for his development of quarterbacks and what he what he does on offense. What do you make of them, you know, not r- running the ball with their backs last week? I think 96% of their rushing yards came from the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, they got some wrinkles in there that they're going to try to do that. He, he sticks with what's successful. I mean, some of it, you run the quarterback, you're adding a number in in the run game. So defensively, you can't just sit there and have a big old one post safety way back there. He's got to account for the for the quarterback. So you bring him down and then opens up opportunities to throw it down the field. That's where I'm back to each week schematically, Troy's gonna try to take advantage of what he sees out there and uh, it could look different, quite a bit different against us versus against UW versus, you know, Colorado, on and on. You guys uh, you know, you got this three games to finish the regular season. You obviously want to focus on Stanford. They're all important. But at this point of the year, health-wise, how are you guys and how do you feel going into this game health-wise? Uh, you know, feel solid. Uh, you know, going into game game 10, you definitely got bumps and bruises. You got a couple of the guys down. We're hopeful. Um, you know, we can keep what we had against Colorado uh, against Stanford in regards to, like, I think Ryan Cooper, and what, you know, he played against Colorado, not uh, – completely healthy, but I think he's going to try to make a go of it again this week. Noble Thomas came back last week, not certain this week. Jake Levengood did not play, starting center. Yeah, he's battling, but I think he's closer to doubtful. Um, outside of that, you know, no one feels awesome. It's mid-season healthy right now, uh, but but we feel good with what we're going to put out there. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think as a coach or maybe even as a player, you need to draw in your experiences. Like you need to remember, and obviously there's a memory thing involved in play calling, but you cannot dwell in the past. And I have talked to a lot of coaches, and I'll ask them, "Hey, do you remember, you know, this game you had as a player?" And and th- you're so forward thinking because you're thinking about this week, whatever. But do you remember as a player being banged up like that and what that felt like, or do you kind of just like block that out and? You're you're always moving forward, and you don't really think and relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, I I don't know if I completely relate. Just playing quarterback, you only get hit like twelve times a year, right? During right. practice, you're not really getting hit. I think about these old line, D line that bang during practice, middle of the week, and then 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 go play. I can definitely remember being sore. I'll say that <laughs> on Saturday, I would get more sore on Monday than uh, than actually the day after. Yeah. Um, but it's part of this part of this game, and we got phenomenal now. The sports science with our strength and conditioning program, the training room, the technology now. I think we practice way less than when I was playing, so trying to be smart, and we're still playing really good football. And I think about that just across college football. Like people aren't practicing the same way they were 25 years ago. Yeah, you get you have the recovery pool in there. Like you didn't have that, did you? You had like a metal tub that you could climb into. If yeah, you wanted yeah, to. yeah. They throw an ice pack once in a while in there. It was. It's not nearly what it's like now. Who hit you the hardest when you were playing back in your playing days? Yeah, man. I'm trying. I don't remember the name. We were at. Uh, we we're at the Coliseum. We're playing USC sophomore year. 
play action pass. So, you know, you're in the center, you drop back and play action with the running back. So I'm not even looking. And this guy just drills me. I got a bloody nose. That was the hardest hit I can remember. I was talking with your punter on the field before the game. Josh Green was way before warm-ups. He was just kind of out on the sideline. And and uh, he's from Australia and really interesting, smart guy. And we just had a conversation. And he, he was asking me about my job. I was asking him about, you know, he had played community college in the same conference that I played community college football in. And we were talking about the teams in the conference now. And I, I really started to wonder, like, you have so many guys on the roster. I could have that conversation with, like, 80 guys. And how much time do you get to spend talking at this juncture of the season? Not in spring ball or the summer, but during the season, do you get a chance to kind of check in with guys, or is that difficult because of the pace? It's you know, it's difficult. I actually try to do it during practice. You know, I ask mm-hmm. these guys to be locked in on focus on all that, but, you know, a guy's not taking a rep and I'm walking around. I try to quick catch up on, you know, family, whatever, school, how's the yeah. body, just quick questions like that because it, it's tough, the schedule and the amount of guys. I mean, we've got 120-some-odd on this roster right now. Um, to really have one-on-one connection or conversation it's not easy to do. We do, you know, eat lunch quite a bit together, and so I'll bump into guys during lunch, but... Um, definitely not getting to everybody. Yeah, but I, I walked away from the conversation. I, I learned, you know, all about Australia and his path and where he had played in community college and, you know, how he ended up. Uh, you know, he was a rugby player, and I was just, uh, I was just left going, man. Like you have, you can walk guy to guy, and you get this, you get a great story. There's a great story at every locker. It, it, it is. I mean, everybody's different backgrounds and, and, like you say, stories of where they're from, how long they've been here, experiences they've gone through. That's why I think it's beautiful. The, one, the diversity, just, you know, so, such a large group coming together for a common goal. Um, Football is a great game that way. All right. You, uh, you're locked in and ready for this week? I mean, it's a big. They're all big, right? They're, I hate when people say, oh, this is a pivotal game like in the World Series. They're all big. They all count. Um, this counts this week, but you know, are you having fun? Are you excited? Are you are you locked in for Saturday yet? Yeah, I'm getting there. You know, there's always so much more prep to do. Uh, we're definitely excited. Uh, one to get back home. We haven't played. It feels like a month back here because we had the bye and then th- two straight road games. So excited about that idea, this opportunity. Um, and the, the games are big, and the bigger they are, you know, the more you win, the bigger they are, and the bigger in November. That's exactly what we wanted. To play our best football in November, playing the bigger games in November, and we're sitting here with an opportunity with it. Herb Street was talking about, you know, where he'll be next week, and he sort of indicated that they may go to Corvallis with game day, and I think it would be big for them to be there for that game if it's a week for now. But obviously, you have to focus on this week. But I just find it interesting. You're ranked 12th in the college football playoff rankings. You know, it still baffles me that. Oregon State doesn't have a conference and, and, you know, is left in this position. But how validating did that feel to you on Tuesday to see you you guys at number 12, the highest place that Oregon State's ever been in the rankings? Yeah, I mean, that's it's cool stuff. You want to kind of end, right, with a high ranking. And so hopefully in the next three, four weeks, it's still a lot to play for. But it is. It's a validation that I think we're doing things at a high level around here. It's been a long, hard road, right, a lot of work. A lot of people contributed to that. Um, and so, yeah, take a little pride at, at this point, first week in November, but hopefully we're talking about the same type of things at the end of November. 
All right, Aiden Childs. You know I'm going to ask you Aiden Childs' question. I, I get a hard time because everyone's like, you love Aiden Childs. And I'm like, I do. I, I think he's going to be a star someday. Uh, do you think he, you know, he seems okay with his role? I've talked to his parents. They, they say, hey, we're good with this. We're good with his role. How long can you keep that kid in that role? And have you have you thought at all about another ser- another series for him? I know, I know. Uh, yes, we have. Um, because let's face it, I think we have played five games where we've done this deal where he's coming in the third series. He scored four of the five series. I Three know. of those four touchdowns. Um, he's done some really good things. I, at the same point, we do feel like DJ is doing some really good things, effective with the ball, the balance we're trying to get. get. He's creating it uh, down the field. DJ's been awesome with the football, 18 touchdowns, four picks. So it's, uh, I'd say, a good problem to have. There's no yeah. question we feel like Aiden's top, you know, in the next few years he's going to be he's going to be special the way he approaches things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Right now, you're going to see him for sure, Aiden, third series of this one. Okay. Um, and then we'll go from there. I love what you did against Colorado because I think it, it put a lot of pressure in the defense because Aiden was in the game, and all of a sudden you ran DJ onto the field, and then he ran that little quarterback sweep where you block for him. And I think, gosh, the defense has got to go like, holy hell. Like, we don't, you know, one play to another, we don't know who's going to be at quarterback. Like, it just, it was a nice change of pace because it was, it was like, you know, throwing a curveball after throwing you know two or three fastballs it was yeah. just great yeah yeah and they can we can create it with that uh, that little mixture of both guys because they do they can do yeah. similar things and then each one has a little bit unique uniqueness dj obviously on the downhill short hit short yardage runs been pretty effective i guess except when you're okay. trying to go for two points all right but speaking of going for two points all right you you mentioned Double, you double down in Vegas. You, you're a yard, yard and a half away from it in. You know, you double down, right? You and I are at the blackjack table. I'm doubling down every time. That's a, that's how I felt about it. Like we got a big time old line. We got a big old quarterback that has not been stopped on really that kind of play for a yard and a half to double your money. That was logic, and yeah, I turned totally <laughs> sideways. But yeah. that was logic. Let's go get this. You gotta. You can't control the snap. You can only hope your guys can execute it. So, you know, leave it at that. All right, listen, good luck against Stanford, uh, and we'll talk to you down the road. Awesome. Thanks, John. All right, there he is, Jonathan Smith. He's at the blackjack table. We are doubling down. Steven, what's your strategy on doubling down at a blackjack table? Yeah, you got to, if it's, if it's anything except for an ace, if I have a 10 against an ace, you can't double down that, but an 11 against an ace... I'm still most likely doubling down, but yeah, if it's anything besides that, you're doubling down every time ten and elevens. I throw good money after bad. That's I, I will double. <laughs> I will double down every time. Um, and uh, I'll, I I don't blame him for doing that. I don't like taking points off the board though. And he took an extra point off the board, and it could have come back to bite them. Because it ended up being a three-point play, the you know the other way, because Colorado gets the two-point conversion the opposite direction. And by the way, I have never seen that in person. I've seen it on TV. I've seen it on uh, social media. I have never seen the defense score that way in person. All right, coming up, some parting thoughts and the dirty little secret in your mouth. I really appreciate those of you who are reading me at johnconzano.com. That's where you can read me now exclusively. I loved it. I was in the uh, I was in the Denver airport last Friday night flying in, and uh, it never ceases to amaze me. I got on their little 
train that runs between the terminals at the Denver airport and a guy who lives in Denver walked over to me and said, hey, I read you, I subscribe. And uh, he was a, a huge State of Oregon Beaver and Duck fan and uh, just really appreciate everybody who has found me there. And for those of you out there that have helped uh, others find me as well, I hear a lot of word of mouth stuff where people are saying, hey, I, uh, I told my parents about you or I told my grandpa about you, where to find you. And I appreciate everybody who has found me and continues to read me at johnconzano.com. I'm having a lot of fun there. Um, you know, obviously, my goal is to give you a sourced, in-depth information, commentary and reporting that you can't get anywhere else. Today, I had a piece on the game that is going to be taking place in Corvallis a week from Saturday, not Saturday's game against Stanford, which, by the way, is a sellout, but the game in two weeks, the last Pac-12 game, as we know it, in Corvallis at Research Stadium will be taking place on November 18th, and it's Washington going to Research Stadium, and there's a lot of speculation about college game day, ESPN college game day being there. I think if Washington beats Utah and if Oregon State takes care of business against Stanford, I think we will see that. I think we will see game day in Corvallis, which is a little bit ironic given that, you know, you look at game day in Seattle for the Utah game, in Seattle for the Oregon game, in Colorado to see Coach Prime. Now, potentially in Corvallis to see Washington and Oregon State and a really compelling game between two teams that are in the top 12 in the CFP rankings. And then you start to think about like all the great things that have happened this college football season in the Pac-12. You, the great performances, including you know Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix, one and two right now in the Heisman race as far as um, odds are concerned. And then you start to think about you know, the fact that the Pac-12 has sixth-ranked teams. Terrific football going on. And and then you look at ESPN, ABC, Fox, all kind of fighting over the great games to see who gets which kickoff time every week. And huge ratings, not just Colorado, but huge ratings week in and week out in this conference. And then you, then you realize, like, you sit back, and the great irony is, like, none of those media companies that are broadcasting the games or sending their college game day crew on the road to those cities. None of them saw the value in, you know, bidding 35 mil for the Pac-12 conference teams, 35 million per school. Like, it's just kind of silly. Like, of course the value was there. Of course the content is there and the interest is there. And it's a cry and shame that the Pac-12 conference, as we know, it is ending at the end of this season. I, I've said it every week. I uh, continue to kind of like, I, I will never get used to that. Like I've heard some people say, you know, gosh, I need to kind of move on mentally to it. I will never get used to that. I will never move on in that way. And I particularly will not move on as Washington is headed to Corvallis in uh, a week from Saturday to play that game. And, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering if ESPN and College Game Day will address the elephant in the stadium. Will they talk about television's role in the dismantling of the Pac-12 conference? Of course, yeah, there were other factors. Presidents and chancellors of the Pac-12 asleep at the wheel, not very focused, um, made it, did a lot of dumb things. A couple of conference commissioners, terrible leadership, lack of leadership, awful. There's obviously more than one um, assassin when it comes to the Pac-12. This is uh, 
There's no question. It's not like an Oswald situation. Like, we know there were multiple assassins on the grassy knoll as it came to the Pac-12 conference. But television was one of them. And I would love to see ESPN College Game Day put on its journalistic hat. You know, if they're going to do, like, all the silly stuff, all the carnival barking that they normally do on that Saturday morning broadcast, that's fine. But can they spend, like, eight or ten minutes talking about the fact that the conference, that, you know, the tradition, the rivalries, the fact that the team that they are there to see, one of the two teams, Oregon State, number 12 in the rankings, doesn't have a home next season. Will they stop for a moment, and will they talk about any of that? I know the answer to that, but I guess I'm trying to shame them into doing it a little bit. I would love to see Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso, um, uh, Pat McAfee, whoever else they want to get on the panel. I would love to see them have a discussion about like the shame of this, television's role in it, whether or not they think television is culpable at all. Does it hold any responsibility? I mean, Herbstreet came on the show and said, of course it does. Of course, you know, Fox and ESPN were involved in that. And of course it revolves around money, ultimately, when it comes to, you know, what went wrong and why it went wrong. It's just unfortunate that it's in this situation. And I'm hopeful that the Pac-12 once, uh, you know, someday will be put back together like Humpty Dumpty. Whether maybe, maybe it's once that college football decides it's going to leave the NCAA and break off and do its own thing. Maybe it happens at that point. Maybe it happens at some other juncture. But I'm just kind of left looking at it going, this is a shame. And, you know, if HBO Real Sports were on the scene, Brian Gumbel would dive deep into this thing. Like, he would dive deep into what the hell happened, what went wrong, who's to blame, and what role did television play in it? Of course TV played a role. You know, the conference commissioners were given power by the presidents and chancellors. And those conference commissioners turned around and handed all the power to the television networks. They just ceded it all. And in the end, TV did TV does. It did what was best for itself. And the brands that, you know, game day is traditionally chased after are all have homes. And, you know, here's Oregon State and Washington State kind of facing this uncertain future. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. It's not even a question of, is it fair or not? We all know it's not fair. We all know that, you know, it, it like epitomizes unfair because Oregon State and Washington State, in fact, didn't do anything to, to bring this upon themselves. You know, they, they woke up as land-grant universities in small markets, as land-grant universities nationally find themselves. Oregon State continues to punch, though, and it's got Stanford this weekend. It's got to beat Stanford. It has an opportunity against Washington. It'll have an opportunity against Oregon to make the ultimate statement. But I sure would like to see that ESPN College Game Day broadcast that everybody tunes in and watches, that everybody points to as this hub of activity on Saturday morning as it pertains to the college football games. I sure would like to see them take a step back and do six minutes, eight minutes, four minutes, and address the elephant in the stadium. Their role. Fox's role. Is this healthy? Is it flying the face of the mission of higher education? Is this, where's it going? And when's it going to get there? Take a look at all that stuff. It's really, it's far more important than the carnival barking and whether Pat McAfee can beat Jonathan Smith or 
Kalen DeBoer arm wrestling and all of that nonsense. All right, I want everybody to have a great night. We are back tomorrow with a great show. Dan Lanning, Oregon football coach, on tomorrow's program. He'll be with us at 420 on Friday in the 3 o'clock hour. Former Oregon State... We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.